Arthur walked into a room full of men. His team of associates shuffled in behind him, and he took a seat. The rest of the men were his Yale club peers. To his right, the men argued whether demographics alone were enough to explain buying behaviors. To his left, gentlemen smoked a cigar while reading the New York Times. In bold letters, he read, The New Great Depression, How You Can Survive. It was seven years into the Depression. Consumers were more careful than ever with their money. And at the very end of the table, the U.S. Market Research Council president asked for silence. He introduced two special guests from MIT, Robert Elder and Louis Woodruff. The professors placed a radio on the table. And then, a black metal box. Everyone looked around confused trying to figure out what it was. Elder connected the radio to the foreign-looking box. He changed the station a few times, and whenever the station would change, the box made a little noise. Woodruff turned off the radio and opened the box. Suddenly, the noise made sense. An arm had swiveled across the tape every time Elder had changed the station. For the first time in history, each channel's listening time was being measured. Afterwards, the room had a ton of questions. They questioned everything from the accuracy of the box to the need for one in the first place. One man argued that fan mail already let the stations know what was popular. Another argued that phone surveys were enough to measure an audience. One more complained that maintaining the box would be too expensive and time-consuming. As the question continued, Arthur stared at the box. He thought of everything in his career that led up to this point. You see, Arthur was the first to test new products for viability. By soft launching them in small markets, he could tell companies whether or not they should scale the product. He also collected product data from a few sample stores. In fact, he even coined the term market share. Arthur thought of the struggles of his clients. Too often, they were taking risks based solely off of their intuition. If his career had told him anything so far, it was that numbers don't lie. Nothing provided more value to his customers than data. He asked the professors what the invention was called. The audiometer, they responded. Arthur stood up. He slowly walked towards the professors at the end of the table and extended his right hand. I'll buy it, he said. Now, Arthur is, of course, Arthur Nielsen. And on that day, Nielsen ratings were born. So don't change that dial, because today we're going to be talking all about making data-driven decisions. Welcome to Often Imitated, a podcast about remarkable experiences from the past and how they inspire people to create great customer experiences today. This episode is all about data-driven decision-making, how Arthur Nielsen contributed to customer analytics because of a strong belief in data, and how those insights still inform CX leaders today. In this episode, we'll hear from Jody Jansen, Chief Customer Officer at Mediafly, about how she and her team help their customers through data-driven insights. But first, a word from our sponsors. 
often imitated, is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising NCX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. The truth is, a lot of the men from the Yale Club were right. The audiometer's technology was nowhere near perfect. And it took 10 more years to function correctly. But by 1946, the audiometer was mailable. Nielsen used a similar statistical system that pollsters use to this day. The audiometers were sent to a diverse sample of people in 200 households. The film cartridges carrying their viewing data were then mailed to Nielsen ratings weekly. And by 1950, a new phenomenon was taking over, the television. Nielsen was quick to adapt the audiometer. Based on that data, Nielsen created a rating system that gave valuable insights to advertisers and networks alike. They could estimate how many viewers each show had, as well as when they were flipping channels. Networks could now use data to charge advertisers accordingly. They no longer had to rely on intuition or fan mail. Over time, the audiometer evolved. Sample sizes grew. Data traveled overnight through phone lines, then the internet. Eventually, VOD content ratings were included. Now Nielsen gathers data digitally on everything from your smartphone to game consoles. And by providing this data, advertisers can target audiences more effectively. And TV shows were no longer canceled due to lack of fan mail. Nielsen ratings were imperfect, for sure. But they provided exponentially more data than what we had before. And although it may seem obvious, a major part of what makes a great customer experience is having the right data. Like Arthur Nielsen, our guest today is on a mission to replace speculation with facts. Let's hear from Jody Jansen, Chief Customer Officer at Mediafly. So Mediafly is a business-to-business revenue enablement and sales enablement solution. So we provide things like predictive forecasting, content enablement. Mediafly's sales enablement solutions help marketers and sellers across every industry optimize their sales processes. What piece of content may a sales rep have shared during what part of a sales cycle that drove increased sales, right? And learn from that as an organization and do more and do better with it. Uh, we provide readiness. We partner with uh, third-party LMS uh, providers. We provide value enablement as well. And so those are all big, you know, kind of buzzwords, but essentially at its core is that Mediafly, if I could put it in a sentence, would be Mediafly provides data-driven insights to buyers and sellers to better understand their customer's journey, right? So it's really any commercial team can leverage uh, Mediafly to, to, to sell more and do more. After the sale, Jody's team comes in. First, she asks her customers, why? Listen, to me, customer experience is the heart of the business, right? We do an excellent job of selling, but customer experience is also about retaining and growing, 
right? So that's really how I look at customer experience. And customer experience actually starts during the sales cycle, in my humble opinion. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've made a concerted effort to understand the why behind a person's decision to purchase Mediafly. And that transfers into the post-sales organization, which is mine, right? So understanding first why they buy, what they're trying to drive as a result of being our partner, right? Because I look at customers as partner and I look at us as an extension of their team. And then everything that we do from that point forward is about driving against those KPIs and ensuring that our customers are successful and hitting those KPIs as a result of using our solution. That's how I look at customer experience, right? It starts at during the sales cycle, have an amazing implementation experience, understanding what's going to make them successful, and then hit the ground running once they're implemented and ensure that we're always driving success against those KPIs that were defined during the sales cycle. Jody understands that every customer is different and needs a tailored approach to their CX. The solutions to their challenges exist, but customers lack the tools that give them the information to improve. Like what Arthur Nielsen did with the Autometer, Jody does with Mediafly. They cut out inefficiencies with data. I think our customers are really about efficiency and it's about having the insights to be able to make the decisions about their business, right? So I'm going to give you an example. Um, and it's actually going to be a story that's actually near and dear to my heart because it's our own story. And what I mean by that is we you know, have done a really good job I think anyway, this past year, since I've been on board at Mediafly with being our own best customer. So we are actually leveraging Mediafly to be able to understand what content we're using with our own prospects that is driving sales, right? We're using Mediafly to ensure that the onboarding experience that we're providing to our new customers is one that's seamless, it's transparent, it's efficient, it's effective, right? And we're also leveraging Mediafly from, from a customer success perspective and a technical support perspective to, again, provide some efficiencies and insight into the overall health of our customer base. So our own experience prior to really jumping in and using our own tools um, was one where most companies are experiencing, right? where it's, um, you might have, depending upon the line of business, you're doing um, you know, a process a certain way that might be more manual or you're leveraging content that you built on your own desktop that's not approved by marketing or on point from a brand and voice perspective, right? To, to, to really bringing everything into a place where it's efficient, usable, digestible, has data-driven insights that you can apply against it and then, uh, you know, use that content, those data-driven insights, the predictive forecasting um, to better your business. We're doing that same thing at Mediafly ourselves by, be by being our own best customer. And in order to be your own best customer, Jody looks at a few metrics. I mean, I'm all about the customer health, right? So, and, you know, we're, we're really, really lucky because the technology that we offer to our customers is all about predictive forecasting and, you know, um, content enablement. And so it's, I have a leg up on being able to understand what the health of our customers are as a result of what our technology brings to the table. We're, we're our own best customer that way. So the metrics that I look at are, are things like consumption and adoption. You know, what are our customers doing with our product? 
I, I mean, in, in a derivative, it's a, it's a metric, right? But it's like, we look at case, case studies and what I call success stories. So um, what's the volume of our success stories as an example, right? Like my humble opinion is every CSM should be able to drive at least a, one success story every quarter. Like that's like bare minimum table stakes. Um, so I look at that. And if we're not driving success stories, if we're not having business reviews with our customers, what's the underlying reason behind that? Um, so those are kind of some standard health metrics that I look at. And then there's things that, you know, that are quantifiable. Obviously, usage is quantifiable, but also things like NPS, net promoter score. You know, how, what is our response rate to that? What's the, uh, the value um, of that? So I definitely take a look at that. And then we can also look at interactions with our customers. And so I can cry, you know, cry foul a little bit when I've got, Someone saying that, oh my gosh, yeah, this renewal is this this is locked up, man. They're they're super happy, and I can poke a hole in it if needed and be like, okay, yeah, like consumption might be okay, but gosh, you haven't talked to them for three months. Tell me a little bit more about that CSM, and really then drive into the reason behind that. Like, oh, you know, Sally's been ill, or yeah, they've gone a little dark. You know, we probably should should be looking into that and 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 focus on interactions a uh, number of interactions emails sent meetings had um, with customers is another metric that I look at and then of course like all of this leads to retention rate so like that I'm looking at every day right what do we have in the pipeline what's our gross retention what's our net retention right so where are we churning where are we growing like that's a a, a daily um, metric that we look at in the in the CX organization certainly. With almost two decades of experience, Jody has learned a thing or two about what it takes to rehaul your CX. This is what she looks for in talent. I look for, in my folks that I bring on board, I look for resilience, I look for positivity, I look for flexibility, I look for radical candor, and gall darn it, if we can't all be a little bit nicer to each other. So I look for kindness. So resilience, flexibility, positivity, Radical candor, because I can't fix it if I don't know it's broken, right? So I need someone to be able to tell me that and not feel bad about telling me what's broken. And then kindness, because gosh darn it, you're in the trenches together in an environment like this, and you were, you know, working your tail off and figuring it out because that's why you were hired. And so being with people that you enjoy being around is 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 really, really important. So that's that that would be my biggest piece of advice. Working with the right people is critical. And to get them, Jody says that you have to meet them where they are. Something that CX leaders are not doing now or that we need to figure out for 2022. Gosh, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I actually think we have figured out a lot of it because we were forced to, quite frankly. And what I was going to say is I'm, I'm, I'm really a huge proponent of going where the talent is, right? And we have, if, if, if one thing we've been taught these past two years is that the remote situation can be really successful, right? So find the right people, not the right location, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, hire by background, hire by all those things that I just mentioned, the resilience, the flexibility, the positivity, the kindness, the radical candor, um, and, and go where the talent is and figure it out after that would be, you know, don't, don't tie yourself around um, kind of regionalization would be one thing I would think of. The other thing is I would really focus on data-driven decisions, right? 
Don't guess about the health of your customers. Quite frankly, don't guess about the health of your team, right? But if I talk about not guessing about the health of your customers, it's it's really truly having the ability to have access to data that to, to allow you to make your decisions, right? Don't take for granted or don't take at face value that a deal is going the right way or a customer is healthy because someone said it was, rely on the data to be able to give you those insights. There's always going to be a level of what I call tribal knowledge that the account team will bring, of course, right? Like one data metric isn't going to tell you everything, but layer the tribal knowledge on top of what the data is telling you to be able to make decisions around you know, predictive forecasting for your business. As CX leaders, we need to identify how our customers are struggling. Giving them tools to understand their business performance makes you invaluable. Arthur Nielsen once said, the price of light is less than the cost of darkness. For both Arthur and Jody, data is that light. Whether it's a person, company, or even the latest season of The Bachelor, Arthur Nielsen and Jody would agree to never make assumptions on success, especially when the facts are right there for you to collect. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. This is your host, Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Thank you for listening to another episode of Often Imitated. If you like what you're hearing, just tell one friend. This podcast was narrated by me, Ian Faison, written by Emma DeMuth, and produced and edited by Mackie Wilson, Kellen Turnbull, and John Levy. You can learn more about our team at caspianstudios.com. Yeah, hi. Uh, I have a question for Arthur Nielsen. Um, how did Arrested Development get canceled? I know you have the numbers. I want to see the numbers. Who are the 200 people that you talked to? <laughs>